Hello, and welcome to NCNA's Nursing Rounds, where we do the rounds on hot topics and nursing journeys. Today, we have Dr. Deborah Barksdale, Dean of UNCG School of Nursing, joining us to talk about her nursing career. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Barksdale, for being here. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, our first question here is kind of what inspired you to become a nurse in the first place? Well, first, just let me begin by saying I'm really honored and humbled uh, to be here today. My nursing journey or my interest in nursing began when I was about, I guess, nine years old. And it was inspired by a television show called Julia. And it, the character was played by uh, Diane Carroll. She was African-American. She was, the, I believe, the first African-American to have her own television show. And she was a nurse. And I, I did a TED talk a few years ago called Rising from the Mud, where I talk about this little experience, though that experience a little bit more. But what I realized later is that Julia didn't really do any nursing. It's really about her life, but and being a single mom and raising a son. But that that nursing uniform, that little nursing cap, and all of that was my inspiration. I knew that growing up, I would either be a nurse or a teacher. I used to make my siblings uh, sit in a closet where I would teach them growing up. So it was uh, <laughs> nursing one out. It seems like you kind of got the best of both worlds, maybe starting your career in nursing and then transitioning through education. Yes, I think so. <laughs> So what inspired you to choose a primary role in education? Did you ever work at the bedside? I absolutely did. I began my career at the University of Virginia Hospital and did a nurse internship. That's what it was called at the time. Now they call them residencies, but I believe everything goes around and comes around. So I did a nurse internship where I rotated through a number of units and actually settled in urology, urological surgery. And at that time, uh, the nurse practitioner movement was well underway, but there was a nurse practitioner on that service who used to round with the physicians and she would write in the charts. And uh, I was so inspired by a nurse can do that. And so I made the decision after about, I guess, three three or four years in that role to go to Howard University and become a family nurse practitioner. So I worked as a family nurse practitioner in many venues prior to my entering into nursing education. And while I was in nursing education, also continued um, practicing as a family nurse practitioner. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely think it is pretty common for nurses. We've interviewed a couple of um, nurse educators on the podcast before, and it seems like that is kind of a natural pathway maybe for nurses. They definitely love giving back to the community, and education kind of seems to be an easy way for that um, sort of to flow through. Could you maybe talk a little bit about your experience in creating the new graduate certificate um, in healthcare innovation at uh, VCU and kind of what it was like to, you know, create that and um, go through that experience? Yeah, so I'm, I've always really 
been inspired by how innovative and creative nurses are. You know, nurses can take nothing and turn it into something. And part of the role of nursing is always figuring out in my mind, ways to do things better and more efficiently and to, to help our patients. But oftentimes nurses don't get the credit for it. Someone else will come along and, and market the idea. Um, you know, that even happened to me once in, in my career and, and someone took an idea and, and developed it and made a lot of money. Um, and so when the, the opportunity came along to look at innovation and creativity and marketing and how we can we could introduce that into a nursing program. We really jumped on that. So it happened at uh, VCU and in combination with the innovation hub called the Da Vinci Center, where we were introduced to people that think entirely outside of the box. I mean, in fact, there was no box and. And to just be inspired and listen to them about ways that we could combine what they did with what we do in nursing to help nurses to know I am creative, I am innovative, I can prototype, develop something, and I can take that thing to market and, and it become a business. So that was part of the, um, the inspiration and you know, we even, when we interviewed applicants to be a part of it, we even turned that upside down in terms of, you know, having people as part of the interviewing process to be creative and use Legos or whatever to solve a problem. Just just thinking entirely differently about how we approach healthcare. What was it like kind of building that program from the beginning? Were there any like big challenges that went with that? Yeah, yes, there were there were challenges, first of all, to get buy-in from the stakeholders, and that was at multiple levels to say, yes, this is okay for us to do. This is an okay thing for nurses to do. I think the the faculty, the educator buy-in came um, really uh, quickly, but there were some other systems that we had to get through to sort of demonstrate that this was something that was viable. We also looked at what other nursing schools were doing this kind of thing, these either degrees in that dealt with innovation and creativity uh, development, the developing devices or developing a knowledge in a different way. And so we really had to prove that there was a market for this. So that was, it took about two years actually to get it through and approved from conceptualization, putting it on paper, designing a curriculum and a program to actually enrolling our first students. I think that maybe there is, there might be a misconception that nurses kind of aren't creative, but I definitely think that, you know, they have to think on their feet. They're always kind of moving and there's always kind of like gears turning in their head. So definitely, I think this is a very important certificate for nurses to kind of be able to pull that out of themselves and realize like, hey, I do have these qualities and kind of teaching them at the forefront. That is a really awesome experience to hear about. Yes. And we do have ideas, you know, that nurses are at the forefront of, of patient care, 
mm-hmm. or care people, we have ideas. So it's just having that ability to realize that and not give it away, not just mm-hmm. give away your ideas, but think about how I can develop this idea and what it might take to get it to marketplace. If if your idea, for example, is to design a device and we've had plenty of nurses who've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, nurses are doing it every day. And so they kind of know what's going to make their life easier, what's going to be better for the patient. They're definitely really hands-on. And I think that's awesome, you know, giving them a voice and a way to kind of bring their ideas to the forefront. That's awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a really unique program. So through creating this program and growing other programs at BCU and being a first-generation college graduate, how do your previous experiences inform how you're approaching your current role as Dean of the School of Nursing at UNCG? Well, you know, sometimes I just have to pinch myself and go, you know, I am the dean. I had one of those moments, you know, this past weekend. I am the dean because I grew up in a very humble background. You know, I grew up, I didn't have running water, indoor plumbing in my home until I was about 16 years old. No HVAC, you know, none of that kind of of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do have a lot of compassion and I think, I think differently about what people can and cannot do with the limited resources that they have. And I think sometimes others who are in majority positions or from places of advantage can't realize what motivation, dedication, and drive can do to help someone. And so I'm always looking for ways to to help and to motivate. You know, I've started mentoring programs. I see myself very much as a mentor. I had a a meeting last week with a student that was having some difficulty. And the one thing I said to her when it was all resolved was, pay it forward. Remember that there are always people, there are always going to be nurses, nursing students who have need in in some kind of way. And you you were successful in getting help. So pay it forward. And I quoted the, I used a quote by Athea Gibson, no matter where you are, somebody helped you to get there. And so growing up the way I did in ways that people couldn't even imagine right now, no indoor, you know, plumbing, no HVAC. I mean, we use wood in our stove, you know, very limited clothing or resources, all those things. And here I sit, having gone to college four different times, four different universities, University of Virginia, Howard University. University of Pennsylvania and the University of Michigan. And here I sit now as the Dean of the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. (laughs) On the topic of mentoring, do you have any mentors that stand out to you that looking back, you think, wow, this person really helped me get to where I am now? Yes. um, There was a nurse when I was in my undergraduate program, an instructor, 
um, who was always really encouraging to me. Um, well, let me back up to my first year of college. Now, I don't even remember this instructor's name, but I remember I was extremely shy because, you know, my background and growing up, I didn't talk. I was, I was extremely shy and times were different there. Race relations were different then. And I remember I was in this seminar called the history of technology. And I know every week we would read a different book, maybe about trains or planes about something. And I remember I was about to drop the course because I couldn't talk. I mean, I literally sat in this room with like 10 other people and I could not open my mouth to say anything. That doesn't work in a seminar. And so I was telling the instructor, I said, I need to drop this course because I can't talk. I can't participate and I don't want to fail. And she said to me, and I'll never forget it. Well, most of them aren't really saying anything either. So even the ones who were who were speaking weren't saying anything. So she wasn't a mentor in a traditional sense, but she was an encourager. Um, even before that, one of my mentors was my high school Latin teacher, who, when I gave, graduated from high school, gave me a T-shirt that says Dux Femina Facti, which means a woman was the leader. And that's what she thought uh, thought of me. But, you know, in, in recent years or across my career, there have been uh, some very excellent nursing mentors. Dr. Beverly Malone is one that comes to mind. She's the president of the NLN, National League for Nurses, right now. There have been other people. There's Eugene Washington, who's, who's at Duke. And I used to tell him, you're my mentor, whether you know it or not, because I'm watching you and I'm learning from you. And so, yes, there have been people in my life, both formally and, and informally, who knew it and some who didn't, who were my mentors and are my mentors and my heroes still. All right. So we are going to take a quick rest in the break room for a snack and a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by the annual Psych Retreat. Dr. Deborah Barksdale will be our keynote there with the keynote titled Sick and Tired, Leading Self Through the Lens of Justice and Equity. Could you give us maybe a sneak peek of a few points that you'll kind of hit on um, that, you know, could be valuable to all nurses listening to this podcast, as well as those who would be attending Psych Retreat? Sure, I'd love to. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to lead self. We oftentimes hear about leadership and we think about leading others or leading organizations or leading institutions. But what does it mean to lead self? The, the title, The Sick, Sick and Tired, um, comes from um, Fanny Lou Hammer and Really, the, the quote is, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so we're ex we'll explore that from a number of different perspectives. What does it mean in today's society with the pandemic, with uh, all the, the political, with things that we have to endure, with all the social injustice? And what does it mean to be sick and tired? And how do we lead ourselves? What do we do as individuals in terms of taking care of ourselves, but also in promoting ourselves to be able to navigate through this very difficult time because the world is very different. And I think those principles will apply 
to any nurse, actually any human being, when we're sick and tired, how do we lead? How do we lead self? How do we make change? How do we think? I was talking to a colleague this morning as I came into the building, and I said, these times make us question the meaning of life and our purpose in life. And so those are some of the things I tend to highlight during this presentation. I hope it is motivational. I hope it is inspirational. And I hope it is rejuvenizing and invigorating for the participants. So if you are excited about hearing Dr. Deborah Bergstill at um, our annual psych retreat in February, you can register now at ncnurses.org. And we hope to see you there. And back to our podcast. So Dr. Barksdale, COVID brought many healthcare inequities to light. Can you speak to the importance of including diversity and equity topics in the nursing curriculum? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think for many years, everyone has thought that they were talking about, you know, diversity, equity, and I'm going to say inclusion in the curriculum. And there was this, this concept because some programs would have a dedicated course that dealt with some of the concepts and some would just have it threaded, which is a concept that we call everywhere and nowhere. Uh, but I think over the past two years, for sure, the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion has really come to the fore. It's not just okay to have diversity in the curriculum or to ha have concepts related to equity in the curriculum. It's, it's important to have them all, to bring them together in meaningful ways. Often in the curriculum, we talk about health disparities um, and folk are oftentimes really comfortable with talking about that in terms of oh, well, you know, Blacks have this rate of hypertension and others have this rate and all those, those kinds of things. We've also become quite adept at talking about the social determinants of health. And, but I think even so, just alone without this framework of diversity, equity, inclusion, and recently the concept of belonging there really hasn't been a place to bring all of that together. And then when you add on this concept of social justice, what is our collective obligation to ensuring that people have equal access to health and health care, that there are no haves and have nots? What is our, as nurses, what is our obligation? Uh, to that. And that needs to be apparent not only in the curriculum, but in our student body, in our faculty body, in our leadership, and all up and down the spectrum. So I've been talking about this, uh, the, these concepts many, many years before they, they become popular. You know, I, I, in my, in the eighties, even in my master's thesis, I looked at some differences in between um, 
blacks and whites, you know, oftentimes that's what we do. And that's not the only aspect of, of diversity. But all along, I have um, included that. So this, so this, these concepts are not new to me, but it is encouraging to see people thinking more about those concepts and being willing to learn. Uh, another concept of late that has been really intriguing to me and has implications for curricula and how we practice is the concept of cultural humility. Um, formally, we talked a lot about cultural competence. You need to be competent in another culture. Well, that's virtually impossible because unless you walk in my shoes, you will never be competent in what it is like to be uh, African-American female in these here United States of America. But you might be able to have enough empathy, enough humility to at least be able, be open that there is something different and something worth understanding, worth learning about. And so um, that's probably way more than you asked for, but you touched upon one of my passion areas. And so I'm about to, about to jump off on that. But um, I think it, think times are different now and we need to be really intentional and really not even comfortable and embrace the discomfort in learning and teaching about these things that um, you might not, we, we might not quite understand. And when you're Absolutely. at the point of being uncomfortable, you're at the point of growth. Just lean Absolutely. into it. You know, every Monday I write a newsletter to my faculty, staff, and students. And I always try either overtly or subtly to include something that embraces the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but in ways that are you know, not, not threatening to people, although I'm not opposed to dealing with issues head on, but I, it's to change that affective domain to way people, the way people think to make them, uh, you know, open up and be willing to at least embrace that there might be something different. I can give you a, a little sneak peek into um, next Monday's newsletter, which will be part of, of something we call the, the Spartan nurse. So I had to um, I put together my message that would go into the Spartan nurse. And I included this time because, you know, I'm, I'm probably not your traditional dean, but I included in this time a poem and I'd like to share it with you. It's, the, it's called The Power of One by um, Ashish Ram. And it says, one song can spark a moment. One whisper can wake the dream. One tree can start a forest. One bird can herald spring. One smile begins a friendship. One moment can make one fall in love. One star can guide a ship at sea. One word can frame the goal. One boat can change a nation. One sunbeam lights a room. One candle wipes out darkness. One laugh will conquer gloom. One step must start each journey. One word must, must start each prayer. One hope will raise your spirits. One touch 
can show you care. One voice can speak the wisdom. One heart can know what's true. One life can make a difference. You see, it's up to you. And so just in and of itself, that might not even seem like it's about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But in my mind, if you embrace these concepts, you will embrace your power to influence humanity, all of humanity. And that in itself is part of what this movement is about. I love that. I love that you have a career where you're able to bring these passions to light. When you're not working, what are some things that you enjoy doing in your free time? Oh, well, I have over the pandemic, I have developed a daily yoga practice and I do um, yoga with Adrienne. She's online on YouTube and, you know, I feel like she's my yoga guide. I don't know her. She doesn't know me, but I feel like I do. She sends me an email every day. Um, but, <laughs> but so I've been doing that um, and that's been like totally awesome. So that's one thing I do in my free time. I also like to walk. Um, and when I walk, I, I listen to all kinds of podcasts. So if, if it's out there and it's popular, I probably listen to it. Then, of course, I do my share of mindless, um, you know, TV, Netflix, and all <laughs> those kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to, well, I used to like to cruise a lot. And, you know, not doing that right now, but, um, but more importantly, I enjoy, you know, my family, uh, being around my, my family. I have some little nieces that just adore me and I adore them and they just think the sunrise and sets in me. And, uh, and so that is so sweet. And just to, to be around, um, both my parents are alive, so I talk to my parents every day. That's part of, of, you know, they live in Virginia, but that's part of, you know, my daily routine to make sure I check in with them. And so, cause family is important. And then my faith, I'm a, a spiritual person and my, my faith is important to me. And that, that's what sustains me and where I get my, my strength from. And I do like um, to read and I like to read post-apocalyptic fiction. That's my go-to. Right now I'm reading two books and these were encouraged by our provost here. One is called Subtract by Letty Klotz. And it's about the, the untapped science of less, about how, how we need to learn to do not more with less, but less with less. <laughs> and, and the other one is called The Great Upheaval, which is um, higher education's past, present, and uncertain future. And that's by Arthur Levine and Scott Van Pelt. So these two would not necessarily be my go-to readings, but they were assignments. But I do like to read about what the world will be like in the future. <laughs> sounds really fun I also recently have gotten into doing yoga with Adrienne and I I've been doing her move series it's been really fun um yes I did that so your day what is it day nine so mm -hmm. yes day nine yeah. today <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um 
So kind of our last question here, what is some advice that you would give to someone in the nursing profession? Well, first of all, to someone thinking about nursing, it is one of the best, most versatile and flexible professions to allow you to move forward in the future. It's not all that you see on on television, but the impact that you're able to make in people's lives can be just is so tremendous. And then I would just like to thank all of my nursing colleagues who have been on the front lines of this pandemic, whether they have been at the bedside or whether they have been those in the background who are planning and scheduling and making sure that people, nurses have the supplies that they need or adequate staffing. I really just want to do a shout out to all of those colleagues who have been there and who've been, who've been able to, to stay the course and help our country through this pandemic. And then to those who have had to make different decisions for their own sake, for the the sake of their families, for the sake of their health, for the sake of their mental health, I'm there with you too. And thank you for all that you've done. Nursing is a great profession. I don't doubt, never have doubted one minute that I made the right decision, even when people told me, well, quite, oh, you know, why don't you, why don't you be a doctor? Why don't you be a doctor? And, and they mean a physician, because I am a doctor, I have a PhD. Um, but, you know, nurses are bright and smart and intuitive and thoughtful and operate under, under science and the evidence too. So it's not that one thing is better than the other. We need both. And I'm glad I made the decision that I did to become a nurse. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Barksdale, for joining us today and sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you so much. We super appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us and uh, share your experience a little bit. And um, we super look forward to having you at the annual psych retreat as well. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. I will be see you soon yeah sounds great (laughs) for our listeners we'll see you next round continue to lead nursing forward